Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. High snap to DeVito. Give to Tucker. It's pulled out of his belly. DeVito walks into the end zone himself. A six-yard rushing touchdown orange. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It is a Stantonian home run. Giancarlo. Nozipo Stobalo. DeVito takes the snap with Harris in motion. Hands off. Tucker feels his way wow. in around his own man, and he scores untouched. It's a touchdown for Sean Tucker. Judge swings and drills one to deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Into the left field seats. A Judgian blast. Rourke steps up. Rourke gunning near side left. Intercepted by Chestnut. As impressive a debut game as you're going to see from a freshman corner. This is Double Down with Michael Lear and Tommy Hogan. Say what, say what, say what? Money. I'm global dollar dollar and roll with Val Fitty. Like to go out smelling fresh and looking spiffy. Don't like clean money. I want my wrist to be filthy. Pops with every time it's fun. I can't touch till I'm 60. So what am I supposed What's to do? What's going on, everybody? It's like Double Down on JuiceSportsTalk.com. And ESPN Radio. I'm Michael Lear. Tommy Hogan sitting with us as well. It's week one of the NFL season. It's week two of the college football season. And in the first week of the double down era, Tommy Hogan and I had both hit the bank this weekend. We both had winning records. We both made you some money if you tail us all weekend long. Hogan, what's up, man? How's your holiday Monday going? What's it like being in the office and being the richest guy in town? I like to hear that. I like to hear the richest guy in town. I wish it was true, but uh, it's all right. Spending Labor Day doing labor, I guess the way it was meant to be, right? But uh, huge weekend. We had a huge weekend, Mike. Me and you did great. I went 10-3-1. I'm up 6.91 units. Nice. What what did your uh, record in unit total come up to? I came out 8-5, and five, up 10.6 units in the last week. Okay. Um, college. So a lot of that was baseball, a little bit of co- a lot of college football, obviously. And we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk uh, all of our bets through college football. We're going to get you ready for this week's college football, this week's NFL. It's going to be a fun week. This is double down from six to seven Monday through Thursday, right here on QSports You can join us 315-437-7644. Let us know where you won this weekend, where you got burned this weekend. Uh, if you have anything going forward and, We're going to have some fun picks for tonight. Tonight, Ole Miss versus Louisville. That's a fun game we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, We're hopefully going to get some guests this week to talk a little bit of Rutgers Cuse. But let's start off with Syracuse overall. We talked about the game all last week. Tommy and I both had the over three and a half wins on the season for SU. And we both also had them at minus one and a half. Before we talk about the game itself, how about the line, Hogan? You texted me the other day. It moved to plus two for Syracuse by the time the game kicked off. Syracuse, a two-point dog to Ohio. It was ridiculous. Nuts. I, do you have any sort of explanation as to how that happened? Because it, it makes no sense to me how it swung four points in Ohio's favor. I hope people got that. I hope people got the money line on that because that was a great bet. Yeah, it's just people betting, basically. That's how the lines change is there must have been sharp money on Ohio that moved the line a lot. Not really any late pieces of news going into the game that would have moved a line that much. Like even we'll talk about the Ole Miss Louisville game. Lane Kiffin's not in that game, and when it was announced that he wasn't going to be there, the line didn't move at all. Um, so it's pretty crazy that that line ended up closing at plus two. It's just 
big Vegas people deciding that that's the best way to go. And um, clearly they were wrong. So I'm sure you've been listening to the station all day. You know, Syracuse 29, Ohio 9. The line closed at plus two. The over-under ended up closing at, uh, at 55 and a half. So the under hit by a pretty good margin, which um, when we were talking at the fair on Monday, I actually leaned a little bit towards the over in the game. Um, and it didn't end up going that way. But did anything surprise you about that game, Tommy? Did, were you expecting that score, that 29-9? Like, is that kind of in the wheelhouse that you, because you were talking under all week, right? I had the under. I had 27-21 was my final prediction, Mike. So I did not expect the Syracuse defense to be as stout as they were. I mean, we obviously saw the debut of Deuce Chestnut, which was phenomenal and has made the double down open because of it. But And, and that was without pass rush. Zero sacks in this game. I know Brent just kind of addressed it during. Uh, I know he addressed it during a Twitch break as well. Can't remember if that was on the air, but he he's not worried about it. You can't get everything you ask for in a game, and besides the pass rush, you basically got everything you wanted to see. So that defense is really good. I agree with that, but the one thing you didn't see, I mean, offensively, you didn't see Devito really claim the start or claim the spot as a starting quarterback. I don't think he didn't I mean, lose it though. He was good. He didn't lose it. No, but I feel like in the first game of the year when you have a little bit of flexibility at your quarterback position, you would have preferred that it would have been really nice for Syracuse fans and Syracuse betters in particular to go into this week saying DeVito's the guy, DeVito's going to be the guy going forward. And I thought he did enough to get by and obviously did enough to win the game. But as we know with SU football, the offensive line is the big issue, right? Or the big conversation. If that offensive line stays healthy, DeVito doesn't need to do much more than he did on Saturday night for the team to be successful relatively to other teams in the ACC. But if the offensive line falls off at all, you're not going to get 181 yards out of Sean Tucker. And then all of a sudden you need more out of DeVito the way obviously we saw Eric Dungy become a guy that was so successful in a not great situation with the offensive line. But the question becomes, is DeVito going to be able to do that if things don't go perfectly for the ground game and for the offensive line? Yeah, I thought the offensive line was definitely improved. I mean, we saw, we Chris Bleich is now in the offensive line. Finally, he's able to play for Syracuse after last year having to sit out. And they only got sacked. DeVito only got sacked three times, and one of them, I think, he kind of took on purpose. Where they're in the red zone, you don't want, you don't need to uh, force anything. You're you're guaranteed three points. Just take the sack. You know, let it was. You, you can let the clock run out. I believe it was at a point where you didn't need. Any more time to stay on the clock? It was third down. Just take the sack. No need to force force something. No need to throw it away. It was the safe play. So two of the three, or, or at least one of them, he, he kind of just let happen. He held the ball on for a little too long. But he'll be all right. Uh, obviously, 11 for 17, 92 yards. You want to see more out of him. But when, when Sean Tucker's run the ball as well as he, he was... That's fine. You just hand it off to him 25 times like you did. You asked me what shocked me, Mike. The running game is the other part that shocked me. And it wasn't the production. It was that we the first carry to a Syracuse running back other than Sean Tucker didn't happen until the second quarter. Didn't happen until the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. Cooper Lutz only got five carries, one of them a touchdown. But I was shocked that that depth that we talked about all offseason did not get used nearly as much as we expected. But when, Like I said, when Sean Tucker is running like that, there's no point in really giving it up to someone else. So I kind of understand it. I think that's also the coaching staff just adjusting as they go. I mean, if 
if it wasn't going well with Tucker, they would have spread the ball around a little bit, but it clearly was going really well. And yeah, you said it, it's the offensive line that had improved play in that game. And obviously they're going to be tested much more than they were against Ohio. Um, I thought that for our over three and a half wins bet, we talked about it all week. That was a must win. Oh, yeah. a, it was an absolute must win to cover those four wins. Um, but it kind of feels good to be in week two and only be three wins away from some money in that one. Yeah. Uh, week two is kind of, is what do we say? We wanted three of the first three four. Three of the first four. And, yep. and Liberty is the one that you kind of are like, okay, Liberty's a really good team. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So in that respect, Rutgers kind of is too. Obviously, Ohio, the, the first first game of the season, a MAC team on the road, you have to win that game or else everything is going downhill. Uh, but Rutgers is kind of right there with it because I don't – as of right now, I still don't see what ACC teams they're going to steal wins from. So Rutgers, to go with three and a half and feel really good about it because then they're going to beat Albany and you're 3-0, and one win away from getting that over already. A Rutgers win would make me feel fantastic about it. And speaking of which, the ACC had a terrible, terrible weekend. We're going to break down some wins, some losses, and a um, couple of gambling surprises as well. Louisville might have a chance to redeem the conference tonight if, if they find any way to do that. Uh, but not not the best showing in week one for the ACC, and we'll, uh, we'll talk all about that. But turning the page a little bit, we're going to talk all about this game, obviously, with Syracuse and Ohio, but also already have to start looking ahead. The early lines for the Rutgers-SU game right now, the totals at 52, 52 and a half, depending what book you're looking at. And then plus two for Syracuse at home against Rutgers. Tommy, we're going to break this down throughout the week, but what would you say is your early look at that Monday with a Friday game coming up? Brent asked me this as well and, and told me the line at plus two. I would have expected plus five and a half probably for Syracuse, plus six before I, before I was told that. That would have been my guess. So I'm a little surprised and I guess optimistic as a Syracuse fan that Vegas kind of sees, even after a 61-point outing from Rutgers against Temple, a team you don't normally think of as a as a run over, you're going to run them over, especially from Rutgers, a team that actually has been looked at that in, in, the, in the past. So I guess that's good for a Syracuse fan, but I don't know, man. Plus two, I was expecting a bigger number. I think it's the home. It's being at home in the Carrier Dome on the first time in a really long time they're going to have fans there. I mean, that's, you got to give a little bit of credit to look at what happened when Virginia Tech and UNC met in Blacksburg when that's a, a really big fan base that's really committed to their program. If Syracuse had lost the game against Ohio, obviously the line would be different in general, but also just the buzz of the fan base would be way, way down. I, I wish we could see two different scenarios where what the ticket sales would have been like at the dome next week, if Syracuse lost to Ohio versus if they really did win very, very handedly. Um, so that'll be really interesting. This is double down here on ESPN radio. You can join us three, one, five, four, three, seven, seven, six, four, four. You can also join us on QSportsTalk.com. You'll get the video stream of Tommy and I in our respective places. Um, and if you subscribe in the month, month of September, which a subscription is actually free. If you already have Amazon prime with most of us do, but if you subscribe in the month of September, you'll get a free QSportsTalk.com t-shirt. Um, it would rival the gorgeous little tie-dye number that Tommy Hogan's working with right now. But also you should just subscribe because you can jump into the Twitch chat, talk all about what Syracuse betting lines are going to change throughout the year. I, I, really, I really am going to have to take the long look at this plus two line because 
I, I got to dive into Rutgers. I know that they had a really big performance against Temple, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's Temple. And the Big Ten is very down this year as well. So um, it's going to be interesting as, as the week goes on to see if that line moves, how much it moves. Because as we saw, um, that minus two and a half line changed, or that minus one and a half line changed to plus two for Syracuse. Um, so if you have any picks, feel free to give us a call or, or talk in that in that chat with, uh, with Tommy and I. But Tommy, anything else on Syracuse, Ohio, before we kind of look at the, the great college football weekend that it was? Interested to see, like, so Chris Elmore didn't play in this game. How much better would that rushing attack have been if Syracuse had one of their most versatile players and one of their best run blockers on the team in that game? It would have been, could, would Sean Tucker have had 200? I mean, they didn't block bad. And uh, Ming, who Dino Babers talked about on uh, his Q&A with Gomez this morning, he, he complimented that he had a really good game. But I, I'd be interested to see how much better the rushing attack can get with Chris Elmore in there. And also just how much more versatile the offense can be in general. Like Chris Elmore is a, a different t kind of utility knife, but he's a guy that you can use in a lot of different ways. Um, and that's something we talked about going into last week was we were excited to see more creativity out of the offense. I saw, I thought we saw a little bit more, nothing crazy. Um, but the, the simple looks were working. I mean, DeVito missed a couple of, of end zone throws that he definitely could have made and maybe a couple of touchdowns that, didn't end up going Syracuse's way, but I thought the creativity was there, and Elmore's just going to add to that. Yeah, we never saw Garrett Schrader, who it kind of seems like will end up being the creative spark of the offense. He's probably going to go in there and be the rusher for them, have some sort of read option, a pass play. He'll be able to give you a little bit of the trickeration that you didn't see in this game. And I asked Brent on uh, Blindside, would we have seen them? Would we have seen Garrett Schrader if Syracuse didn't march right down the field on that first drive of the game, like they did, because they had the momentum? And he said, "Yeah, that probably is the case. You probably would have seen Garrett Schrader if they got stopped." I like that they just ran with the momentum. Don't show your cards too early. You hope to not have to show your cards against Ohio. I know he says that there's already film on on Garrett Schrader at Mississippi State, but there isn't at Syracuse. And this offense is going to be different than the offense he ran at Mississippi State. They're going to use him in a different way. So I think that it is smart to hold on to that as long as you can. You didn't need it in this game. You, I think you will need it in Rutgers. I think you will see plenty of Garrett Schrader against Rutgers. I'll be honest, I don't think you will. I don't think wow. that... I think that the Garrett Schrader... Tace two quarterback system, Taysom Hill-esque setup is a, it's a fallacy. I don't think it's even going to happen. I really, I mean, maybe one or two plays you throw them out there, but I don't think it's, I think it's all talk. Just keep people on their toes, make you think you have a little bit of a different look. I think the offense is going to be creative outside of that. I could be wrong, um, but to me, it feels like a lot of talk about something that we haven't really seen at all, or even, yeah, it's, it's just literally been all talk about it. That would be a wasted weapon if that's the case. You bring in a guy, I understand, to, to, to give Tommy DeVito competition at the quarterback spot during the offseason, and DeVito won it. But now you have that weapon. You might as well use him in some sort of capacity. You have to. He's got great legs. He, he showed it at Mississippi State. You got to show that, so, that uh, element of your offense if you have it in, in your back pocket at some point. I hope that that's not the case and just a sportsmanship, gamesmanship sort of thing from Dino. Just saying, we've got this guy, we got this guy, we'll, we, we'll see him next game. We'll hear that in every post-game press conference. I hope that's not the case. Yeah, I really don't think uh, I don't think it's a wasted weapon when 
Syracuse has a history of quarterbacks getting hurt. DeVito obviously got hurt last year and it kind of derailed the entire season. I don't think for a team with a below average offensive line, getting a really good second quarterback, a guy that, yeah, you can use as a, maybe he'll play here and there. Maybe he'll be a tool in the offense, but I think that it's not a wasted weapon considering it's not impossible that DeVito only plays six to eight games. Obviously you hope he plays the whole season. You're, you're planning on that, but in college football, especially in the ACC, especially when you don't have the offensive line you're necessarily entirely comfortable in, I don't think it's a wasted asset or, or a wasted weapon um, to just have a really, really competent backup and a guy that clearly pushed DeVito in the offseason. But maybe we'll see him. I don't. I just don't think we will. Fine, but you wouldn't be using that weapon to its full its full capacity. Having a a, a competent backup quarterback with SEC experience. You're right, is a weapon in itself because we haven't seen a Syracuse quarterback stay healthy throughout the year in a while. But even if even when Tommy DeVito's healthy, I'd like to see that I'd like to see that weapon, but I'm okay with it not being shown in Ohio. I do think that we'll see it going forward. I'm okay with holding on to that card against Ohio. All right, well that's the Cuse Ohio conversation. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit more college football from the weekend. We had bad peats, we had big wins. Um, but it was a fun weekend of gambling on college football. And the best part is it continues again in about uh, an hour and 45 minutes when the Ole Miss game gets going. But we'll be right back talking all the college football from the weekend. That's next. This is Double Down on ESPN Radio. This is Double Down with Michael Lear and Tommy Hogan. Happy Labor Day, Double Down on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Join us, 315-437-7644, as we bet the board on college football. And boy, did we uh, did we bet the board this weekend, and we had some fun with it. Um, Tommy said that I was, uh, what was it, finding, what is it, money in the crumbs um, on a couple of games, and I did indeed find that money in the crumbs. But uh, one game that was a really fun kickoff, I think, to college football season. And, you know, there's all these different kickoffs. There's week zero. There's a couple of Wednesday night games, the UAB game. You never really know when college football season starts. But I feel like college football season started on Thursday night in the Ohio State-Minnesota game. Ohio State wins 45-31. They actually pushed the minus 14 line, which was really, really cool. C.J. Stroud was – shaky i guess to, to start the game um but in the fourth quarter he throws a 70 yard touchdown and a 61 yard touchdown in the final 10 minutes of the game and that pushed the minus 14 it actually hit my bet which was ohio state at minus eight um but to me that game and then a game that we'll talk about next year this big 10 game was one where it really felt like college football was back this year and cj stroud's legit it took him a little bit of time but i thought he played a darn good game yeah, it did take him some time. That first that first half, you're like, whoa, Ohio State may be in trouble this year because it was ugly for them in the first half. They got it going in the second half. They looked like Ohio State has looked the last few years in the second half. I me and Jordan were on the opposite ends of that of that game. He had uh Ohio State minus fourteen. I had Minnesota plus fourteen. So we both pushed on that. He I went up against his uh six pack there that we had on Thursday. But, yeah, it was a fun game. I agree. That was the game college football was back. The other moment that I point to that college football was back was the Wisconsin jump around that they do heading into the fourth quarter. That was Saturday, the early 
Big Ten noon game on Saturday, that's really like, okay, fans are definitely back in it. You're sweating out a game that was close. That was that was another moment where like, okay, we're back in it. Fans are back in the in the stadiums here. Let's roll. As uh, as we're debating when football was back, I think it was before that in Blacksburg. UNC, Virginia Tech, that was sick. That was Enter Sandman. That was the I feel like that was the video that was going around in all the group texts. That was a video on Twitter that was chills. And it's so funny that's Virginia Tech. I still like I love that they have a cool fan base, but it's very interesting that it's still Virginia Tech, which is just a very average ACC school all the way around. I have a little thing with Virginia Tech fans and their enter Sandman, because the people that think about Virginia Tech in Virginia Tech football when they hear enter Sandman and not Mariano Rivera, you can't trust that person. You think of Mariano Rivera when you hear enter Sandman, or else I'm not talking to you. You're get out of here, get out of here. That's Mariano Rivera's song, not Virginia Tech football song. But it's really fun when Virginia Tech does it. There are very few times that Yankee Stadium looks like no. uh, looks like Blacksburg. No, give me Mariona Rivera coming out of the bullpen over Virginia Tech running out of the their uh, tunnel. Hundred percent. That song belongs to Mariona Rivera. While we're on that game, the total was at sixty four. Sam Howell against Virginia Tech, and the game finishes seventeen to ten. Sam Howell, the guy that you and I were saying. Oh, maybe we should bet him to win the Heisman yeah. because he might he might lead UNC to an ACC championship and all this stuff about how good he could be. He throws for 208 yards, throws three interceptions and one touchdown in a disgusting game. It was ugly. It was not good. That's That was my reaction watching it like, oh, my God, Mike and I just had this conversation on radio about maybe betting Heisman, maybe betting to win the ACC, <laughs> and he's going to look like this. That was one of my three losers was UNC – Plus five and a half, or what were they? Minus five and a half, actually. I would like to point out the only reason that you bet UNC minus five and a half, you didn't have any bet on the game. On Thursday night show, I'm going on and on about Blacksburg on Friday night and about how Sam Howell's going to crumble to a pretty good Virginia Tech defense and about how they're undervalued. And then you didn't even, you weren't even giving points. No, I'm not trying to get angry at you. I'm just telling you. You weren't even giving points. You just all of a sudden go, Oh, give me minus five yep. and a half for UNC. That was a spite bet against me, and you ended up with egg all over your face. Sure was, sure was. I mean, I that was I had that conversation. We had the UNC conversation on Monday. You're telling me about Blacksburg. I had a roll with them. I had a roll with North Carolina, and like we we do a lot of the times, Mike. I like going against you. I like disagreeing That's fair. That's with fair. you. I one like thing arguing. I did, uh, I did flub one. I had a buddy on Friday night say to me. What do you think about Virginia Tech money line? And I told him not to bet it. I said that I really liked plus five and a half. He said I really like money line, and he did not bet money line. So a uh, little bit of a bet ache on his side of things, and that's that's on me. I understand that, and I own up to that. But Credit plus five and a half for Virginia Tech feels really good. Felt really really good. Speaking of feeling good, one felt terrible. Felt absolutely horrendous. Um, this is the money in the crumbs one that you that you talked about when I gave the pick. Texas versus Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, of course. The over was 58 and a half. Going into the fourth quarter, Texas was up 35-12. Louisiana scores a touchdown with like nine minutes left, and they went for two. They were down two touchdowns, and they went for two, and they didn't get it. And the over ended up missing by half a point. 
So if they would have just kicked the extra point and let the game roll on, just be a normal team down the stretch, the over definitely would have hit. And I got kind of screwed, even though there were three touchdowns in the fourth quarter that would have saved me. But because they went for two and failed, instead of just kicking an extra point, I got screwed. That hurts. That also, by the way, that doesn't count as a money in the crumbs game. That's two top 25 teams in the country playing against each other. That's That doesn't count. I'm pretty sure when I said Louisiana, Lafayette, and Texas, you said... No, I couldn't have. If I did, I didn't mean it, and I take it back. I could not have meant that. I'll uh, I'll keep rolling with a couple of my picks that hit over the weekend, and I'm happy about. I had Syracuse under. That was huge. I liked that one a lot, and we got it. I also really liked USC, and I believe Mike was on the opposite end of that one. Keen Slovis, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Top 10 in Heisman odds this year. Take USC at home. You won Alabama, minus 19.5. You don't bet against Nick Saban. That paid off. Miami, AC was part of, was the biggest loser over the weekend. Miami was a big part of that. Those were the ones that I hit on and I'm happy about. We're going to hit a break here. We'll get Mike back and we'll keep rolling on Double Down. Tommy Hogan and hopefully Michael Lear will join you after the break. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. This is Double Down with Michael Lear and Tommy Hogan. Sitting at the table, there'll be time enough. What's going on, everyone? 6.30 on your Monday, Labor Day. Hope you're sitting by a pool or a barbecue, having a beer. Uh, and getting ready to gamble on this game tonight. It's going to be fun. I actually did not know this game was going on. Ole Miss, Louisville, Louisville's plus eight and a half. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'm Michael Lear, Tommy Hogan uh, with us as well. Just getting you ready for a big week, week one of the NFL, week two of college football. Getting a little bit of chills talking about that, but let's get right out to the phone lines. 315-437-7644 if you want to join the show. Uh, we got Zach from Burlington here with us. Zach, what uh, what was the gambling weekend like for you, or what are you looking forward to this week? Hey, Michael. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, really honored to be on the show. Gambling weekend was okay. I was, I was away this weekend, away from my television, unfortunately, which is something I uh, try to avoid. But uh, hit my big Alabama pick. I heard Tommy mention that you never go against Saban. It's a rule I live by. It's a rule I've made a lot of money on. And I have a similar rule for tonight's game uh, featuring Ole Miss. And that's you always bet against Lane Kiffin. Whoa. Uh, Lane Kiffin is a Lane Kiffin is kind of a bumbling loser. And the only thing I like betting more than betting against Lane Kiffin is when Lane Kiffin is not there. There's a power vacuum. This team is doomed. Plus eight and a half is free money. Love the points tonight. Take Louisville. Tommy, what do you think about Lane Kiffin? Never bet with Lane Kiffin. Always bet against him. I couldn't. Uh, disagree more with Zach in Burlington. By the way, Lane Kiffin won't be there tonight, so I don't know how that goes with his always bet against Lane Kiffin stance here. He tested positive for COVID, so he will not be able to coach the game tonight. But the Ole Miss quarterback, Matt Carroll, he led the FBS in total offense last year. Lane Kiffin had that offense rolling. Louisville lost a lot of weapons on offense, 2-2 Atwell included. I know Malik Cunningham's into his third year as the starter there. 
I like Ole Miss minus eight and a half a lot tonight. It's going to continue ACC's bad, bad weekend, the loser of the college football weekend. I think it's going to continue tonight. Tommy, the, the, thing, the thing I love is that when Lane Kiffin leaves town, he's going to make sure this team is ill-prepared and not ready to go. <laughs> All right. I, I know, I know they're gonna, he's going to want them to think, oh, well, we lost because our offensive genius isn't around. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how, how much I love these points. Uh, I love, I love Cunningham. I love what they're what they're bringing back. And you know what? You mentioned losing players, Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. That's a guy that's going to be a, a huge production to replace. And uh, we'll see if Coral can do that. I, I love, I love, love, love that eight and a half. That's going to be that's going to be an easy pre dinner for Zach. <laughs> Zach, before you uh, before we cut you loose, I want to check in on the total. It's the highest total of week one in college football. Right, seventy four and a half. I mean, are we in for the best game of really college football season tonight? Where do you think that line's going? I looked, I took a long look at that one, and I have more of an NFL rule where I like to go unders in the first weekend. It's often they get a little overzealous with last year's numbers. But you know how I feel about overs, Michael. We go back a long way, and 74.5 is just so juicy. I like to chase dreams. I'm thinking I might grab that over. All right, Zach. Well, thanks so much for the call. We'll, uh, we'll we'll get you on a little bit later to get some more rules of gambling from Zach and Burlington. I can't believe he was so against uh, Lane Kiffin. I didn't see that coming out. Was he? Is he a Raiders fan or something? Why is he so against Lane Kiffin, who actually had a really good year at Ole Miss last year? Uh, I believe Zach is a Rams fan, which I'm also going to bet on the Rams this week. We'll probably talk about that later in the week. Um, one thing, my my thought on this game overall. This is where I'm getting back to my teaser. It's my bread and butter in college football. Uh, I hit a big one on Thursday night where none of, the, none of the bets I put out on Thursday night would have covered unless they were in a teaser. So the way a teaser works is you get six points to help you out on your side of the spread because you parlay a couple of games together, two, three, four games together, whatever it is. So what I like a lot tonight is Louisville, you can get them at plus 15 and a half and then take under... 79 or 80 and a half. I mean, that's pretty awesome. If I can get an under at 80, I'm very happy. And then if I get Louisville to lose by less than 15, I'm very happy about that. I really, I really, and also I'll be honest. I like it the other way too. take Ole Miss minus two and a half and get the under down to what is it? 66. You got to cover over 66. I, I kind of like those uh, those assets where you can you can shift the line a little bit. I think that there's a sweet spot in that teaser that's going to work out. Um, but also 74 is just so high. It's so high. Very high. I don't I don't see that. I would take the under absolutely. But I I don't even like fifth, plus 15 and a half, Mike. I, I I think Ole Miss routes routes Louisville tonight. Matt Coral fifth best Heisman odds to start the season at plus 2,000. I think he's going to have a big game. And Zach made a good point. Elijah Moore, their best weapon from last season, got drafted to Arizona Cardinals, going to be a big weapon on that team now. But I still think... Dude, Malik Cunningham has the exact same odds to win the Heisman. That's not true. Malik Willis They does. both opened up at 50-1. to one. Cunningham opened up at 50-1 to one to win the Heisman, and I believe so did Matt Carroll. Plus 2,000 on the Barstool Sportsbook for Matt Carroll. Maybe I mean, that's changed. I can get to uh, Malik Cunningham here. Let's see. I thought they had the exact same odds. I'll be honest with you. 
Um, so wait, let me get, I'm getting the board. We don't have, if you're watching on QSportsTalk.com, we have a big whiteboard that's usually behind me. Uh, I'm on the road, I'm getting a roadie in right now. So I got a piece of paper, Ole Miss minus two and a half. You get, or minus, uh, excuse me, minus eight and a half. Yeah. That's I like, what you like, Tommy? I do. All right. You know what? I'll take Louisville straight up head to head with you. I'll take Louisville, uh, plus eight and a half. I love that plus eight and a half. And then uh, I'll let you know in my six pack, if I'm going to bet this total, the total is crazy. It's the highest total of college football week one. Unders really do hit in college football early in the season. I feel like, um, especially the ones with those high numbers. Um, like even look at the Clemson Georgia game. We were talking about that and how that you said it'd be as low scoring game, which you actually, you kind of sniff out unders pretty well, which is impressive uh, on your part credit to you. Um, but I think that these big games, the overhyped games, and neutral site game, uh, I kind of do like the under, and I'm I'm considering taking that. Especially, I do think that both these teams are relatively underwhelming this year. I don't think either one's going to be awesome. Um, I think they're offensive, like losing one of the best offensive minds in the country for a primetime game is not necessarily the best case scenario for Ole Miss. So I could see their offense not being not being spectacular today. You know what? I'm talking myself into the under. I'm going under 74 and a half. I would also take the under there. You can put that on my board. Matt Coral, according to the Barcelona Sportsbook, plus 2,000. Malik Cunningham, plus 5,000. So it stayed there. All right. So it's two two guys that have Heisman betting odds that are not that far. Yeah, so he stayed at 50 to 1, basically. Yeah. So, you, right, so we're both going on that under 74.5. Yep. You mentioned the one total that – or you mentioned that I'm decent at sniffing out totals. The one I was not even close to, I'm I'm sure a lot of people – Felt the same way. I took the over in the Georgia-Clemson game, which was at 51. Could not have been more wrong. Shocked. I was shocked how that game turned out. Were you as well? It was an ugly game. Yeah, it was a gross game. I mean, it's just... I, I it, What do you think that means for Clemson? Like, is Clemson not as good as we think they are? They, I, I, or is Georgia much better and it just happened to be two defensive teams that were good? I think that Clemson's still going to bowl through the ACC as easily as humanly possible, um, especially seeing what North Carolina did. I also wasn't impressed by Miami. But I think that showed us that Georgia's better than we think defensively. I think Georgia, Georgia's legit. Um, yeah. I'm excited for Georgia's future. I think Georgia will be a good team to bet on this year. Yeah, that Georgia team is going to be one of the best in the country, and that defense is going to be one of the best in the country. It was really, really good. DJ Uyunglele, who was Really good against Notre Dame last year. Took him into overtime. They lost in overtime. I think he's going to end up still having a big year, but to have to play one of the best defensive minds in your first game, really getting in the range to that Clemson offense, you're playing against Kirby Smart, it's tough. It's one of the, the toughest asks for a new quarterback to start his, his career with. I think he'll get going, and I, you think about that video of Dabo Sweeney in a private jet on on his way to ACC Media Day with DJ Uyunglele and a couple other of the the Clemson players that they took there, and he says, "This is where you'll be throwing touchdowns." Tough luck after Week One, where they didn't throw one touchdown and score one touchdown. Yeah, but Dabo Sweeney's going to figure it out. Yes, yeah, I, I think that the turnover and the turnover for Clemson is never nearly as bad as we think, and I think what's going to help betters or people just trying to follow these games there will be an overreaction to this loss for Clemson. Like there will be a few different lines you might find to whether it's a total or spread throughout the season where people are going to doubt Clemson a little bit. And I think there's going to be some opportunity to capitalize um, as we look throughout the week and, 
and take a look at those lines. I think that'll be interesting. And you can even take a pro from Clemson. Their defense held Georgia to 10 points. You expect more from that Georgia, that Georgia offense. So there's a, there's a plus for Clemson. I think they'll be just fine. But a, a tough, tough opening weekend for the ACC. When we come back, we will give you our six-pack, our best picks. But before that, we're also going to talk just some lines to watch in the NFL. There's a couple of really interesting lines. Be interesting to see how they go throughout the week. Obviously, by Thursday night, you will have every single one of our NFL picks, every single one of our college football picks. Double Down continues to just rattle off picks. We got a six-pack next. We're also just going to briefly kind of hit a couple of lines in the NFL. They're going to be fun to watch. This is Double Down on ESPN Radio. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad by all of the things I never had. This is Double Down with Michael Lear and Tommy Hogan. Big week for Double Down this week. Week one of the NFL season. Week two of college football. It's going to be a blast. Before we get to our six-pack, where we each get one bet in a snake draft until we have two picks each for the best money to put, whether it's tonight, whether it's going forward, we got to just talk very briefly about what everybody's favorite game coming up in the NFL season is because we just can't ignore that. For me, it's Browns at Chiefs. Chiefs are minus six, and I think I'm taking the Browns, baby. I think I'm taking them plus six. I'm going to give my official pick later in the week, but uh, I'm Cleveland ready. I already have them to win the division, so uh, Browns game coming up I'm excited for. I'm going to be super cliche here. I know that it's the first game, but I just can't wait. But are you kidding me, man? Dak Prescott coming back, taking on Super Bowl champion Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How does that not get your juices flowing for the start of football season? You know exactly why it doesn't get my juices flowing. I don't need to see Tom Brady open up the season any longer. I'm sick of it. Would it, would it be worth it if the Cowboys win for you? Oh, absolutely. That would be a great way to start the, the football season, but... I've been. I know what happens when Tom Brady plays football, and it's not what I like to see. All right, so no, that's not a game I'm looking forward to seeing. The one I'm looking forward to seeing the most is actually a very underrated game. It's the Washington Football Team versus the Los Angeles Chargers. I think that's gonna be a really good game. The football team has one of the best defenses in the league. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think he's gonna sling it around. He's finally gone into. It's been a while since Ryan Fitzpatrick has been able to say, "All right, I'm the starter on this team." Now and going forward, he's got the reins there in Washington. And uh, I think that's going to be a really fun game. And I think the Chargers and Justin Herbert, who had a great rookie year, are also going to be really good this year. Eckler was hurt for a lot of last year. He's a great running back, great out of the backfield when it comes to the passing game. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. It's going to be a really good test for a really good defense. And uh, I'm interested to see how, how that goes. All right, let's dive right into the six-pack. All of our best stuff. It's a snake draft. It'll start with me, then go to Tommy for his pick. Jordan gets two, and you know the drill from there. All right, my six-pack pick, mostly because Tommy went the other way. I'm going tonight, Louisville, plus eight and a half. I think that's where the best money is on the board tonight. It's college football kickoff, a little Chick-fil-A action in there, uh, plus eight and a half on the cards. I really like that. ACC bounce back tonight. I'm glad you say that because – my pick, Ole Miss minus eight and a half. I'm liking it a lot. I like their quarterback. That was my Come big see thing. Me. Come that, see me. All right. That was my big thing going last week was the quarterback. It's it's if you can get an experienced quarterback in week one, 
a week where there's so many variables, so many unknowns. A guy that's been there, done that, led the one of the best offenses in the country. Had they led the country in yards last year? I'll stick with that. Give me Ole Miss minus eight and a half. Okay, Mike, you were talking teasers earlier. Let's tease. I know primetime games very often go under, but as last night's Florida State Notre Dame game, game showed you, there could be points scored. Defenses are rusty. Give me a teaser. Give me Ole Miss minus three with the over 68. Don't expect Louisville to win, but I do expect them to put up some points. Um, if I understand this whole snake thing, yep. I think I'm up next Don't again. get lost in it. And I'm going to go. I want the Rangers money line. Against the Angels tonight, plus 113, here's the rationale. Angels have 20 more wins than the Rangers, and they're at home. I have never heard of A. Alexi, who's starting for the Rangers tonight. I don't care about this dude's name. Here's what I'll tell you. (laughs) They're only a slight dog, and they're the much worse team, and they're on the road. Something's fishy. Rangers money line. You know what? I've also got a pick in that game. That's going to be my my second six-pack pick. I like it. Rangers, Angels over nine. I guess a nugget for you on AJ Alexi. AJ, whoa! AJ Alexi making a second career start. That's why you got nothing on him. He threw five shutout innings. He got the Rockies. It's the Colorado Rockies. Not a good baseball team. So take that. Start with a grain of salt. I like both teams to score here. Jaime Berea, the starter for the Angels, seven four five ERA. His last three starts. Give me Rangers, Angels over nine. Like that, like that over a lot. Uh, mine is going to be a little bit of a player prop for the kids. Let's go. Uh, I to make sure I got the exact line right because I was worried that it may have changed. Uh, Astros, Mariners. Astros are minus 220 to win the game. Stay away from that, obviously. Uh, your young man, the man, Alex Bregman. One and a half total bases is the line for him tonight. I'm taking over one and a half. He's got an eight-game hitting streak. He gets one hit, he's there. He gets a double, and he's there for sure. Um, So I really like Bregman. Again, it's over one and a half total bases. A little bit of a sneaky pick, but I kind of like it. So I love, Tommy, that our six-pack pick is going head-to-head because what you failed to realize going into that six-pack is that every time you and I have gone head-to-head, I have won when you bet directly against me just for no reason besides betting against me. There have been pushes. That was a stat I'm happy to hear because that means I'm due. I'm due to win one against you. That actually gave me even more confidence when I pick. And by the way, I'm undefeated in my baseball picks in the double-down era, 5-0. and I feel pretty good about Rangers-Angels over tonight. Ride with it, guys. Come on. I think all the boys have made you guys all a ton of money. We're going to keep doing that all week long. We'll be at QSportsTalk.com. This is actually our last radio show of the week because the darn New York Yankees got a winning streak to start uh, tonight. So it's going to be a long week. Without us on the radio, we will be on QSportsTalk.com. This has been Double Down. Michael, Tommy, and Jordan on ESPN Radio.